At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello. Should I play? Should I uh, introduce it? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Hello, this is Soren Bryce of Tommy Ake, and this is an unreleased song called I Don't Want to Talk. And this is Porch Talk, so kind of ironic. Keep up with the cartilage It cannot deface you Bear in mind this privilege And everything you do I'll pour over second guess But in tongues with every sentiment That's close to death The price of a body I don't wanna talk I don't wanna talk I don't wanna talk, I don't wanna talk, I don't wanna talk, I don't wanna talk, I don't wanna keep my head down in the sand, finding comfort in the safety of some ignorance, but it's always catching up to me and I feel sick. Like someone who's guilty until proven innocent By a biased jury I don't wanna talk 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 I don't wanna be Welcome you to Porch Talk, and uh, co-hosting with me today is Monk. Hey. And Soren Bryce is back. Hello. Not only to the porch, but she's back to the United States. Yes. 
So last time we spoke, it's been about two and a half years. A lot has happened. Has it really been that long? Yeah. I was looking at the timeline of it. It was like January 2019. Wow. I kind wow. of just count our whole last year as a lost year anyway. Yeah. I don't count it as part of the last two years really. Well, yeah, it's the mulligan year, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, so while we were going through the pandemic here, I mean, I guess the world was going through the pandemic. Were you living in England? I was here for half of, or for six months of last year, and then I moved to London September. So it was still quite a lot was happening, and I actually ended up getting there just in time because the, after I moved, they shut it down again, the borders. That's right. So yep. I got there kind of in good timing and was able to stay because I'm now a resident in that my student visa allows me to be a mm -hmm. leave for inter or whatever. So yeah, I've been just incredibly lucky, honestly. So was it any better over there than here or from as what you read? As far as COVID. Yeah. Um, I think it was handled differently and politically it's a bit different, I would say. I think because they're already more of a, they have universal health care and things like that, it's much more of a, less about the sort of freedom thing yeah, with the mask exactly. wearing. And so it's a bit less um, contentious, I guess, of an issue. Like, people don't really argue about things like that. Sure. Um, and they just kind of follow the government guidelines because they have been a country that just follows government guidelines That's for, right. for yeah. their whole existence, basically. They're under the crown. Now. Yeah. Now they have sort of a democracy, I guess, but mm -hmm. it's still very much like... You know, follow everything. And just the difference, I guess, with that is like, you know, with the UK is like, there's a collective identity. And with the United yeah. States, it's so personal. Yeah. Uh, it can be by state, you know, it could be by creed, it can be by color, religion. I mean, we're so different here. Yeah. You can tell sort of the, in the personalities of, of English people as well, because there's not, a lot of people will not talk about themselves at all. Like, even people that I know that do really, really cool stuff and are like artists and musicians, like it's very much, it comes across as like, we're all just kind of here existing together. I'm not going to talk about myself and it's funny. And then you come back here and everyone's just like, this is what I do. Me, and me. I, love, I love that because I come from like that DIY background of like community of people who always are individuals. So I, I like both, I guess. And, the, and they have pros and cons to both, I guess. Right on. Well, I mean, since last time we spoke, uh, you were playing under your name, and then shortly after that, uh, Tommy Ake. Oh, okay, so I wasn't even Tommy Ake when I came. Not yet. It was it was wow. right on the it was right on the verge of existence. That's so funny. And so, uh, I mean, tell well, us. Well, I remember Tommy Ake being mentioned yeah. last time she was As here. Maybe it was unofficial. Th that's exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I remember. Um, I played so much of the last EP on tours before I even recorded the EP, so to me, Tommy Ake had been a thing for much longer than it was technically in recording history, but I guess I wasn't in 2019. It was just about to be released that year, I think. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, just for listeners, uh, just a little bit about Tommy Ake, if they're unfamiliar. Uh, sound, um, why, why the name? Well, it took quite a while to pick. I... My manager and I have been working together for a really long time, since I was about 14, so a mm -hmm. uh, decade this year, and she's kind of the person I go to for all sort of like big picture things, but she's great in the way that she just kind of lets me do so much of what I want to do, and then if I need advice, she's there, but, so I, when I was trying to, I went, went to her after I got dropped, I was on a label and everything, did the whole thing, and I got dropped, and 
went to her and was just like, I think I want to change my name. I don't really mm-hmm. identify with this sort of persona that this label has built around me because I don't really feel like... I, even when I was on the label, it was music that I didn't really connect to. I didn't really think it was good. I didn't... I don't know. I just didn't want to be making stuff like that. And because of my contract and like everything, like having to work with a certain person, it's like you kind of are stuck within the limitations of what they say you have to do. Okay. So once I was free of that, which I was really grateful actually when I got dropped, because also they used to be an independent label and then they got bought by um, a conglomerate, and then I was like, no, I don't want to be on major any label sort of time. major. Yeah. yeah, like I signed up for this, agreeing to be on an independent label, and mm-hmm. now. So the first re- release I did with them was great because they were still independent and they were super hands-on and everything. You can be you. Yeah. Anyway, long story short. Uh, <laughs> once I was dropped, I talked to my manager about wanting to change the name and then we spent like quite a while going through names. You know, you have to Google them and stuff and make sure they're not already in it. But Tommy just kind of stuck, I guess, because I liked that it was kind of playful because I'm quite silly in my performance as well as just like as a person. But it deals with like kind of a serious issue so i think it's really cute and sort of funny because it's saying oh I, my stomach hurts but mm. in kind of a funny way so i like that it's sort of that dichotomy which i find within my own self and also the music as well and um it just kind of stuck i mean at first it felt weird to say and to like introduce but then after saying it like a few times just kind of felt I, like oh yeah this it, is this is the band and band names are so hard to like because you got to live with this thing it's like yeah. a tattoo a band name is yeah. because I remember when I was man this was early 90s mm-hmm. um, we were called the White House Slaves mm. and we lost we are a punk band and so we lost two of our members and we sat around for like not near as long as you did we sat around for like three days <laughs> trying to figure out something we were even going to the point of like wanting to call ourselves Sanford and Sons just to be funny you know so eventually we just called the band Nothing just nothing. Nothing. That's so good. Yeah, and now there's actually a band named Nothing. In I was fact, say. at that point we couldn't get on right. line. But I mean, coming up with a band name's like, all right, I'm gonna get this tattoo of this heart with a skull and a snake it's coming hard. through it and everything. you know, you've gotta live with it for the rest of your days, especially if like you if you're recording. Mm, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And Googleable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now that yeah. everything is everywhere on the internet, it's Yeah, and I've I've heard it both ways and like uh, you know, even Taylor is like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never have a band name again. I, everything I do is going to be under my name. Mm. Taylor Hollingsworth, yeah. And, I mean, was that something you wanted to separate your name from your music and let it be Tommy Ake and, like, let that be, like, an alter ego? or? Yeah, it's kind of nice because I feel like it started out with that sort of intention, but I found so much freedom in through Tommy Ake and making the Tommy Ake last EP. And this new record that's unreleased, but we're working on the release right now, that I've kind of felt like it's kind of taken over my, uh, I didn't, not taken over my identity, but that that's more what I connect to. It's nice to have them separate, though, because I, like, what I'm playing tonight is so much, like, unreleased stuff and, like, mm-hmm. acoustic stuff, and I, it'll be, it will be nice, like, I'm hoping maybe in a couple of years or something I could just do, like, another Soren album or something that's just more like stripped back or acoustic or something mm-hmm. so it is nice in the way that it doesn't put me in a, in a box really like not that I really was but it's nice that I can have sort of that fan base of Soren if they want to just listen to the acoustic stuff they can and then the new album is a lot more aggressive and hard and I'm like screaming on half of it a little so. more punk rock yeah so 
which I found so much freedom through. Like, I just never thought I was capable of doing anything like that. And I was never told that it was okay to do something like that. And so when I first moved back home and set up my little studio in, like, my parents' backyard shed, I just started screaming on the first fucking riff that I wrote. And I was like, I need this. Like, I need this. Because it was, it was the beginning of COVID and also gone through a horrible breakup, like, changed my living situation and everything. And... And I was like, I really think I need this right now. Even if the next album doesn't end up being, like, yelling or screaming again, like, it was a good release. It, it's it's so cool that you say that because, like, you think about all of these different punk bands and mm -hmm. hardcore bands. If you ever see, like, interviews with them or interact with them in any way, they're the most chill people yeah. ever. Because they're getting it all <laughs> out, you know? It's like, that, yeah. it's like back in the, the, the 80s and 90s, you know, or the 80s when Reagan was president. Like, that's when the SoCal punk thing hit. Yeah. And... So many of those bands, that's all they sang about. But when you talk to them, they're like, yeah, man, everything's cool. I'm, you know, yeah. we got it I'm all out on record. <laughs> you just listen, yeah. you want to know how I feel? You know, that was just versus energy. Like the first time I saw you here at the Sunstroke House and then just following you on social media and just seeing how punk some of those Nashville shows Yeah, were. it must have been strange, I'm sure, for like <laughs> a lot of people that, especially like early, like early Soren days, like mm -hmm. I was playing sort of like pop, electronic on the keys only. Like, I never even touched an electric guitar until 2017. And so I'm sure it was strange to, for the people to see that hadn't seen me play in ages for the, me to post a, a video of me, like, screaming. Right on, um, yeah. But they're there for it. That's what's so cool. It's like, I feel like the people who follow me are so cool in the fact that they just like what I have to say and they don't really care if it's in a certain medium or not. So mm -hmm. I really like how loyal they are anyway. And then you get to kind of follow along the metamorphosis. Yeah. You know, because when you go to your Spotify, there's a lot of poppy sounding mm -hmm. stuff on there, you know? Um, totally not what, like, I just heard you do out on the uh, on the front yard yeah. there, on the side yard. My hope is uh, one day I can just take it off. But <laughs> my manager would be like, don't do that. But it has been very, like, beneficial in the past, but... I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over it in a way. I, I want to just sort of introduce my new self to yeah. the world and not have them be able to Google my name and find, like, discussions of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I still have that album. I, I mean, I'll give... So the guy who produced it with me is a fucking genius. Like, oh, wait, can we put on the show? Yeah. Okay, okay. You've um, already done it before, so... Oh, uh, he's a genius. It's, it's fucking all right. Yeah. I was about you want to drop a bomb? Yeah. <laughs> he's so good. So it sounds incredible. And it's he's kind of the first guy who really pushed me to be self-sufficient in the way where he was like, look, I know a lot of producers that you would just walk in and do an album with and they won't let you be hands-on or teach you how to use any of this stuff. And he literally sat down most of the time and just taught me how to do everything. And that's been really beneficial to me because now I produce everything myself. But sure. he was kind of the first person in the industry in a way when I was like a young teenager. Mm -hmm. Like that made me feel like, oh, you don't need someone to do this for you. And also you can do everything analog as well. You don't need to use MIDI and you don't need to use, uh, you can if you want to. And like if you know how to use it as a tool, it's nice to have in your back pocket. But if you can just be good at miking an amp and whatever like he was just very very helpful in my process of like learning so i will say that album is like a special place just because of justin pilroth is his name but yeah 
And so, uh, just to fast forward up to um, leaving for the UK, what was the prompt? Uh, you went to music school over there, right? Yeah, so, well, I was touring full-time, because I was working for another band called Broken Love. Um, I was tour managing for them quite a lot, so that 2019 was the first year where I was finally completely freelance, which was really cool, because mm -hmm. I had been working as a barista or whatever, and I was just like, if I could get this year to just be completely freelance, just t touring the whole time, that would be awesome. So I finally got to that point, and then came into 2020, we did like a really big tour at the beginning of 2020, I come back from Canada, and obviously everything had happened, and that all their shows for 2020 got canceled and everything. And so, since that was sort of my main income, I had applied to school previously, just because it was kind of on my mind, like I just wanted to go back to school, so I did it that year just so I could have the option mm -hmm. if it came up. And then, I'm really glad I did, because I only applied to one school. <laughs> and then, just because I was like, well, I'll just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I got accepted, and when COVID, I wasn't sure if I was going to go or not, and then when COVID happened, I was like, well, maybe this is kind of the best option for me, because mm -hmm. I don't want to live at home, and I'm not going to be able to make any money, uh, because touring is closed, and also at that point, there was, like, a lot of businesses and stuff were closed as well, so I, working in hospitality and everything was just, like, off the table for mm -hmm. a while at the, at the beginning, and then, so I just accepted the offer, and I was like, well, I've never been, so it'll be kind of fun, because I don't... Yeah. I don't so, know what it's like there at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so why that school? Why not just somewhere here in the States? I don't know. I guess I've toured so much that when I thought about any city I'd want to live in for the next four years, I just yeah. didn't, I didn't really like... And I've lived in, in two of the main cities in America, so I don't know. I really just wanted to go somewhere different, I guess, and experience something different. and Just really lucky, like, what happened and how it all worked out. But H Had you been to London before? No. No, yeah. I I've never even I never even left North America. I've been to Canada. Sure. Um, but that's close. Still North America, there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that was kind of scary because yeah. I'd never even flown over an ocean. Um, and I remember being really nervous. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, if I crash and die, like this would be the one time that something happens. It's my first time. Mm -hmm. But I survived. Um, How long was the flight? That time was just six hours, but my flight back was ten. And that yeah. was rough. Yeah. It's almost easier to go east than it is to come back. Why, why is that? I don't know. I think because at least if it's later there and you feel like it's earlier for oh, you, for I find like that a, easier. Yeah. Jet lag, yeah. Yeah, jet lag. But thing. here it was like, my mom wanted to meet me to go pick up my brother at like 9 p.m. And I was like, I feel like it's 3 in the morning. I don't even feel safe enough to drive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so the jet lag is pretty bad for the first few days. But, yeah. And so while you're back, what are the plans? Well, this was kind of my chill time. And then I leave for New York next week. Um, and then I'm going to be working tour managing for that band for the last month I'm here. And that stuff's kind of gotten messed up because someone caught COVID in the other crew. So now they've pushed a lot of the shows that were happening this week to the end of the tour. Mm -hmm. So my flight back to London might get changed because I might have to stay on and a bunch of boring stuff. But... Then I'm leaving after that. But I have a couple shows in New York before that tour starts up again. So, so will that be uh, solo, or are you going to pick up some hired guns? Or? <laughs> one solo, one is full band with guys that I've played with before. Because I used to live there. Yeah. Um, and they're really cool, so 
they they're just session musicians so i know that we can just have one rehearsal and they should be able to do it all because it's all parts i write so it's not like they're that complicated right on so getting back to england what happens then well i'll go back to school and i'll just kind of take another break i was it was really nice to just sort of step back and take a break from thinking about music because i think it's really easy if you're independent and freelance and everything to just constantly feel bad because you're not doing enough yeah and then to have sort of that forced break of like oh i literally don't have the uh mental capacity to deal with anything except for university right now because yeah. it's hard and so that's been really nice to just sort of be like a normal person again i guess um and worry about like normal things like yeah i hope i can make it to class on time <laughs> <laughs> i hope i get a good grade so that's been a really nice break and i'm kind of even after just this one sort of two weeks of doing cool tummy and stuff i'm just kind of ready to like resettle again. I think COVID's kind of made me and a lot of other artists I know really uh, domestic now. Yeah. Because I was so ready to just Now like, you're like making pasta and stuff yeah. and you're not worried about doing it. Now I'm it. like, if I'm gone for more than two days, my uh, groceries are going to go off and all that. Like I, and my plants, I like constantly FaceTime my flatmates like, are my plants alive? <laughs> yeah. So I just feel really domestic now. I don't know if that's just me, but I feel like a couple other artists I've talked to feel really weird now that they travel again. And it's nice to do it and because and you miss it so much. And yeah. it's nice to come here because I missed like traveling and, and seeing everyone and meeting new people. But... So how it like is is your your focus? I mean, obviously the pandemic is is a big part of it, mm. but like has moving from the states to England has that changed your your focus as far as songwriting? If you had mm. obviously probably more time to songwrite, mm. has I really haven't written very much this year, and I think it's because. I can only really write, like, one album every two years. So, like, once I finished... So, this new album's called Soak. And I did it, knocked it out in, like, 12 weeks. And that was just kind of it. I mean, I do write occasionally, like, sure. just to get it out. But it's never, like, finished ideas or anything. I always leave them to the side because I know maybe one day I'll use them for something. But, yeah, I'm not one of those people... I feel really jealous of people who are super prolific and can just, like, sit down and write, like, every day. I can't do that yeah. at all. But your focus hasn't changed. No, no, really. I would it's just say the same thing. I've kind of been unconventional in the fact that I don't really focus on anything. <laughs> like, I just kind of just go where what I feel is happening, and like if I feel like because that's what happened with the album was like I didn't sit down expecting that I would write an album, and then once I sort of started the whole process, I was like, yeah, that's kind of what I want to do. So I did that, and yeah. then. When I went to school, I was like, okay, I want to, like, get good marks and everything. So that's kind of what I did. And just going, I mean, my friend who I came on tour with here named Darwin, he's a big person. We know Darwin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. He, the very best advice he's ever given me is to just go where and do things that bring you joy. And I know that sounds so cliche or whatever, but it's so true. And I don't think enough people do that in their day-to-day -day even. Like, if you don't want to have... Um, if you don't want to meet with someone or if you like you should just literally follow that instinct that's like let me do what's sure. going to make me the happiest um and i know that n to not to the extent where it's self-serving 
but in sort of the grand scheme of things, like, I don't try to be, like, I'm, because I know I'm not going to be, like, a famous person. That's not, like, my intention. I'm just trying to do cool things and meet cool people and have, like, a nice time. Yeah. Um, and it co- sort of observe it, because that's Experience where all the... the shit around you. Yeah. Yeah. that's where so much of my inspiration comes from anyway, in my writing. So, if I can just be living life and sort of be present, then... I find it usually pays off in the six to nine months or whatever when I sit down to write another yeah. album. But till then, I'm just kind of like, well, I'm not going to stress myself out over the fact that I don't feel like writing right now. I can totally relate to that. It's mm-hmm. like just even with this podcast is, uh, man, it's... It's, it's it, weird, isn't it? It's like a self-put pressure to yeah. be a certain way and do these certain things. And I think that's good to, be, to like succeed and do things, but yeah. you don't need to kill yourself over it. It's very fulfilling and it's it's on my own time. Now this is a different occasion. It's like, well Soren's only gonna be in town for mm-hmm. right now and I mean, you were the first musician I ever interviewed. Full and, circle. Uh, yeah, it's full circle. And now Yay. like inviting on uh, Monk, you know, the I was like, Yeah, this this is great and some of the plans that we have coming up is it's fairly unreal that I mean I've been invited to like cover music festivals and to interview the artists as they come through, and I was so like, cool. "How the heck does this even happen?" <laughs> you know, and it's like you're going where the things yeah, are coming. You yeah, know? exactly. And so, I mean, I totally get Darwin's advice for mm-hmm. that. It's just find something that makes you happy. It's yeah. as dumb as it sounds, as cliche as it is, but it's so true. He's so, the king of it as well, because he'll just if he'll like sew his own underwear and stuff, and he just really will enjoy something like that, and he'll do it for like three days. Mm-hmm. And then he'll find something else he really likes, like researching. Like sew them up or sew them from he scratch. He sews them like he makes them. Oh, makes them. He'll make like like underwear, custom underwear for himself, and then what? he'll like research compressors for like weeks. Like he <laughs> he's been sending me these text messages that are so long about like the EQ profile and like he's just so into rabbit holes of things. I, I think there's a reason that he and Jamie Nettles spent. Two months together, yes. living together. I'm sure they did so many things. Yes, because they just they think like that. I guess yeah. the same. So like like I'm I'm sore and I sit down. I got my guitar. I've got a notebook and a piece of paper. How do you start that process? Of writing. Yes, I'm totally jumping back. No, you're good. It's I'm weird. Going, I'm, I mean, I. It's not like I I don't sit there for more than five minutes if I can't think of anything. Yeah, sure. And most of the time, I finish just one verse and chorus, and that's all. I don't know why. I'm so bad at finishing second verses. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I think there's more weight to them. Yeah. Or that they're more important. I don't know. Because you're resolving, sort of. I've kind of always followed that sort of formula and that, like, I want the first verse to be very, like, exploratory or, um, what's the word? Exposing what it's going to be and then to have the second verse be really, like, concise, like, bringing it back. Um... And with this new album, I tried to not, to, like, take that sort of boundary off myself. So that's why the screaming was fun. Yeah. Because, well, the first single I just released is literally, like, the worst lyrics ever. And I knew that, like, when I released it. And, um, not worst lyrics ever, but, like, it was, like, something I would never write. Like, it was just very straightforward and, and there's no metaphor, there's no, like, deep meaning. It's just, like, what it is. Um, but that's really you putting that new that. version of you out. Yeah. And it's completely, it's going to mess everybody up, you know? Yeah. I'm really excited because I'm going to New York to film the music video for the next single next week. 
and I'm really excited to release that single and for people to be like, what is this album? Like, what? Because yeah. every song is different, and I hope there's, like, a bit of something for everyone on the album where at least if they're like, oh, I don't like the screaming stuff, there's this stuff, and oh, if I don't like that kind of stuff, then at least there's, like, this posty stuff that's, mm -hmm. like, indie enough for me. I don't know. So, just Just about, like, the first line of a song is, like, uh, in... In my right now, I like to, uh, I want the first line to punch you right in the face. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the first verse is always the most difficult for me. If I, really? can, if I can get through that, we're cool. That's so funny. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's weird hearing, like, second verse. I don't know. Maybe I just think hmm. of everything I want to say in the first verse, and then I'm like, oh, God, I need to say more. Yeah. <laughs> because maybe I feel like, usually my first verse is, like, I feel like my first verse is better written. And then, but my second verse is better uh, pronounced, like okay. the the syllables, because I've settled more into the melody and everything. I've noticed that, like, oh, okay, well, this phrasing comes across way better in the second mm -hmm. verse because I'm actually like yeah. hitting the phrasing better. Because I, I always approach it like when I'm discovering new music is like if I'm giving a brand new song like a chance is. What's like, the first thing they're gonna? You hear? have forty five seconds, or I'm I'm changing. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. There that's you go. You know. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> you know? That's it. You know. Yeah. It's like I've only got so much time. That's funny because I just did an interview, a written interview on email, mm -hmm. and she asked me about like what I think about what internet's done to streaming, or streaming's done to like listening, and I kind of went on a whole tangent of like, I try to at least give a song a minute, mm -hmm. because I do feel like Spotify and all those things are a great disservice in a way to the, the way music is consumed, mm -hmm. because people now know they can just access anything at any point at any time of day and they don't value the amount of effort and no, they don't so i at least even if i think the song is bad i still listen to about a minute of it because i'm like these people tried like they made this mm -hmm. and they're putting it on this platform and they're hoping someone will listen to it i don't know if that's me being too empathetic but i try to give everything like a chance because i hate people who j my dad will do that in the car he'll just Skip first five seconds. Skip, skip. Oh yeah. I'm like, you don't. You're not even listening. You're not even hearing the first line. Yeah. Like, gotta give it a shot. Right on. Like coming from a radio background, um, most people are in the car no more than about seven eight minutes, mm -hmm. at least in the states. I don't know what it's like elsewhere. So, the the philosophy the philosophy we have in radio is. You want them to hear a hit every time mm -hmm. they're on. But see, I do an indie show, and how I get to that, and I don't like to delve into it too much because I want to experience it as it happens. That's why every Saturday night from 9 to midnight, you know, we're listening to the show, and I just I want to hear every song. Because I listen to the first maybe 15 seconds of the song, and then I fast-forward to about the middle of the song, mm -hmm. and I want to hear the big break, the big mm -hmm. high right, point no. in the song, you know? Um, so I don't know really where I was going with this, but, but I mean, that's how I listen to it. It's ways of listening. Yeah. It's just change. like, yeah. it's like, okay, you, if, if you can get me to skip to the middle of the song, then you've hooked me the first 15 mm. seconds of the song, you know? It's just funny the way listening has changed, like sociologically, whatever the word is. That's because it. you used sociologically? to Sociologically? Sociologically. Thank you. I have a, almost have a degree. <laughs> <laughs> Because you used to, I mean, it used to, I was telling Jamie this today, Jamie, host of Sunstroke House, uh, today. Shout out. Shout out, yeah. That what? Um, people used to think recording was a phase and just recording was going to be in and out of style. And now 
it's the only way people listen to anything. And I think that's really interesting. Because people used to only go to shows. That's it. Or the orchestra or whatever. And that was their way they heard everything. And now, with recording, they can just skip around. It's crazy. Is what are we? How are we doing on time? Oh, when do we need to be down? Six thirty-five. Did we start eating at seven? Yes. Okay, we're good. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make Sorry. sure we had time. You have that. Should have a point. Yeah. I'll do this. <laughs> there you go. But uh, I mean, just even with Spotify and how we ingest music today, and I'll say this, and we can get off of it, or we can dig a little deeper. Is I think about uh, what it means to upcoming artists and people just to be found to be added to a playlist. Mm. Let's just say. Uh, Monk, he has an Indies Only playlist, and maybe it's uh, showing you people who have been on the show, maybe for this upcoming show, and then maybe tagging in people who sound relatively mm-hmm. similar. And just to be uh, compared to maybe someone that you admire, and maybe that was really, wow, that really inspired me. And now Monk on the radio just put me on this playlist because he found that my music is very similar mm. to whomever. And I think that's a great avenue for people uh, finding new music. It was like, well, Monk really put a whole lot of stock into this. Mm. So yeah, I mean, therefore I will. Yeah, I mean, is just like glorified mixtapes, really. Yeah. It's just mixtapes, but for like a way bigger audience. Oh, people. and I was the king of mixtapes back in the yeah, day. Yeah, that's what I'm... Yeah, like, yeah, that was definitely a thing since the beginning of recorded music, really. I mean, maybe not onto vinyl and tape, but when when cassettes came around, you yeah. could make mixtapes, and that's so playlisting is basically just that. So, like on Spotify, when I put you in a playlist, do you get a notification that I put you in a playlist? I don't think so. Oh, okay, yeah. Unless I, I well, think how would you anybody can go know? on well, you shout it out, right? Artist page, yeah, like Spotify for artists, and you can see what playlists you're in. I think. Oh, okay. But I'm not the right person to ask. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I don't get like nobody like messaging me going, "Hey, man, thanks for adding me to your yeah. you know smooth Sunday morning mix, you know, or yeah. whatever." Yeah, or whatever. Because yeah. I'm like, I literally have like 45 different playlists in Spotify. It is surprising you know? they don't do that, but I guess if you're really big, I guess you would just get a million of them. That's right, yeah. and I mean, I think about like Cornelius Chapel, and you know, just following that record label and everyone on it. And like Cornelius Chapel always like just take for instance the blips. It's like so and so has added them to this playlist, and I'm like, how do they know? Was it were they told or? I mean, that's a good question. It's, yeah, yeah. I wonder how that works. I don't know. Maybe they just the like robots. did. Yeah, did they like search themselves and see what playlist mm-hmm. they were on? Maybe that's how you do it. I don't know. Yeah, it's I always been a mystery. You to me. can look on on like sort of the back yeah. end and see what playlist on your back end added to. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I guess maybe you can see who's seen that. Like, if you were made a playlist, you probably couldn't see who's seen that you put them on the playlist. Sure. Gotcha. <laughs> Let's open up that little discussion y'all were having about the 90s. Oh. <laughs> um, what, what, how did it start? I don't remember. With, I mean, it was her tattoo on her, right? on her shin. Tell us about some of your tattoos. Oh, I have you do, you do a lot of your own tattoos, yeah? I do now. Like, because of COVID, I got really into it. Yeah. Um, and so, like, That's the first dope. ones I did were really bad. And then that one's maybe, like, a few months later. So, like, I got a bit better. But, Alan, do you notice the one on the top of her leg? That the one right I did. Le- no, right, right leg. Right oh, leg. yeah, I did that one, yeah. <laughs> What's it say? Me too. <laughs> I love house shows. Yeah. yeah. I did that one myself. <laughs> I did this one hoping it would be the cover for DIY. And then it didn't. 
up being the cover for now. <laughs> so now I have two DIY tattoos. Because I redid it because I was like, oh, maybe I could do one that's like easier to take a picture of just that and have that. But I did use it for like a promotional picture or something. But I kind of posted it and no one knew what I was talking about. Which what was happened to it? Was it the Raccoon Motel? Are they still doing oh, well? Oh, yeah, Sean. Yeah, he's um, opening a new venue. Yeah, he's God bless that man. A new venue. I can't remember what it's called, but it's going to be basically like a very similar thing. Raccoon Motel, I think what happened was there was some issues with like some of the other people that owned it or something. Mm -hmm. Not issues, but like I don't think they they were on the same wavelength that it was it. Um, so I think they still own it maybe and are going to turn it into a different sort of thing, but he, or maybe just a bar or something. But he's opening a new venue. So um, that's a very cool he, DIY. But he still thing. always run. Um, there's a huge venue that he runs out there that like Bony Bear played, and there's like a really big sort of barn festival thing that he does. But I was never big enough to play that, so he always had me come and play the the, the smaller venue. Wow. <laughs> no, don't take a screenshot. <laughs> no, you, you should. You need to remember this moment. We don't need to edit this part out either. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I think like that's kind of cool like and a... natural. It happens yeah. every day. Everyone's reachable all of the time. Yeah, we're just we're taking yeah. phone calls here. Call them in. Uh, <laughs> Some requests. What's going on here? Uh, did y'all want to dig into the nineties, or y'all want to go down and get I some mean, of the heat? You know, or? I mean, I was in nineteen ninety six. I mean, that was like we were just discussing. Because Soren was born in 1996. I know, and I always feel bad because I like so many 90s bands, but I try never to be like, I'm such a 90s, whatever. Because uh, people are like, you weren't even there. So I'm very aware of my But that doesn't mean you can't go back to it, yeah. My generation. But but all we were discussing was like, she said that's when she was born because it's tattooed on her shin. And I was like, man, I like 1996, I was probably 22 yeah. or 23, something like that, you know? Um totes giving away my age but um <laughs> like the first half of the 90s man like your generation didn't get to experience what my generation did and even yours alan i mean shit when 1991 hit and pearl jam 10 dropped and alice yeah. in chains and and nirvana's uh, you know it's just the whole world blew up and and we have talked about this several times during the, the right. podcast we'll probably you may me maybe not so much but, I mean, hopefully you'll experience that kind of, um, you know, the face of music being blown open. That I big experience. because we will if we don't change something about the way that we consume music. Yeah, I mean, I think if the record labels have less control, yeah. something else might happen a little different. Because we have talked about that as well, how when The Killers came out, every band that came out after that sounded like The Killers. Mm -hmm. Nothing's ever going to change because mm -hmm. The Killers weren't that exciting. You know, as I mean, they're a great band. Not taking anything away from them. Again, this is the second time it was we've not done. Not like overturning every rock. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but but when Elvis came out and the Beatles came out and it's, it's the Sex the Pistols came out and and uh, the Ramones and Nirvana, things changed. Yeah. And I just don't think what else is there left to do. Yeah. You know, I think what else is left to do is to try and go back to thinking about things in a different way. So that's why I kind of romanticized that sort of time period because there was no internet. I am very anti-internet, honestly. I don't like it. I don't think it's done anything... I mean, I think it's good that it's connected people that otherwise wouldn't know each other. Sure. But 
I don't know. I don't know if it's really helping society and humanity's overall sort of empathy level toward each other and toward what we do and, like, what we create. And so I just think I want to just, like, go back in time and... and I how people appreciate things. I think it's more. just furthering our anger toward things that 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 we didn't know we were angry about. That's true. You know what I mean? As well. Yeah, because you're almost too plugged in now. Yeah. Where yeah. have you ever heard of Dunbar's number? No. Okay, it's this sort of theory. This guy, something Dunbar, said you you can only physically handle knowing fa one fact and the name of like 250 people, and now because social media and everything. That's been raised to like three, four thousand, or however many, wow. and it's really bad for your psyche to like constantly be aware of everyone's situation and everything they're going through and everything that they're doing, even if it's good. It's just really bad, and not to sound more like an egoist, but I think that some people really should sort of like look inward and just think about their consumption of the internet. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's why I try to stay off of it when unless I need to post something. I mean, like, for me, I'm not going to try to get political or anything, but, like, there came a time, um, you know, in 2016, where I just had to shut it all down. Mm -hmm. I was like, I got, I've got to, I got to get out of this, sure. you know? I can't, it was overwhelming me to the point of where I would wake up thinking about it yeah. and wake up going to Twitter and, like, what the hell has happened now? Yes, it was so, it was too much for me. And I don't want to go into it at all, but prime example is just, like, over the weekend with Afghanistan, right? Yeah. It's like, dude, I, I'm saying, dude, I just shut everything. I was like, nope, not accessing these apps because... Everybody, and that's the thing about social media, is like, we got an opinion about everything. And uh, everybody, all of a sudden, is a, a epidemiologist or a virologist or a constitutional expert. Or Now there's uh, people who never served in the military. They're talking about how they would fix Afghanistan. It's like, look, just everybody, stop. It's like, almost if you don't say something, then it seems like you don't care enough about the issue. Mm -hmm. Whereas, yeah. I sort of went the other way, and everything that was happening last year with Black Lives Matter and everything... I felt the most important work that I could do. It didn't need to be on Instagram. And I, I saw so many of my friends and artists that I follow that just jumped on the bandwagon in a way. And I think it's important because it was helping, but it's sort of... What? <laughs> it's sort of... Um, I can't remember what I was saying. Anyway. Well, the, the artists jumping in... Yeah, sort of like these these white artists jumping in and sort of joining the bandwagon and being really passionate about it as well, which I think it's good to, you know, be sympathetic and, like, care, of course, but I don't know how much, per se, was just because of numbers and Instagram and all of that, and I feel like if you really wanted to show that you cared about something like that, then you would go and actually, like, do yeah. something. It's not about the post, it's about yeah. what you do in real life, yeah. and it's not even about recognition. So, but that could be kind of isolating and, like, I didn't really post anything and all I saw every day was so many, so at that point I kind of had to, like, stop going on because I was like, all I'm seeing, and I'm not even seeing, like, opinions from, like, actual black people, like, all I'm seeing is whitewashed sort of social media posts that are sort of aesthetically designed and everything and while I think it's a good way to, like, sort of spread information, it's not really hel helping the cause of, like, letting it be, like fighting for the equality of people who are of color at all. So, I don't know, I just had sort of a weird time with it last year and felt like the most important work I could do is just have conversations with people that I know struggle with accepting 
things like Black Lives Matter and like, like people in my town and people that I was living with, for example, like just talking to them and trying to talk them around mm -hmm. to why that's important. That to me felt like that was like all the work that I could do. Otherwise, anything else outside of that was not going to be helpful. Even if I was posting helpful statistics or whatever, I was just like, I don't think it's going to be helpful. I think everyone's just kind of reposting and sharing all the same information. So it just turns into the noise. Yeah. And while we're at it, is uh, last question. We're walking it out the door here because uh, we got to get ready. Yeah. Is speaking of social media, it's like how do people find Tommy Ake <laughs> and get involved with? what you're doing um well instagrams tommy ache music because you mentioned yeah you mentioned a music video oh yeah well we have a video for diy that i made um in england and that's out already but um i'm not sure when the next next one will come out but yeah tommy ache music on pretty much everything i think and then Soren and bryce if you're I, on Sora and Bryce, I post mostly more, like, personal things, I guess, or just, like, any sort of other endeavor I do, so, like, when I mix or when I remix or when I, like, work on other projects and stuff, I post more of that kind of stuff on Sora. But if you want to see just tummy ache stuff, then the tummy ache Instagram is probably better. But, I don't know, I try to keep it interesting. There you go. <laughs> Soren, thank you so much. Thank you. This and, uh... Let's get a bite to eat and enjoy the show, right? Yeah, exactly. Long live house shows. I kind of forgot that now I have to play a set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I want to have fun and talk now. Or I just... <laughs> well, it was so good to catch up yeah, with you again. Yeah, I'm so happy to be back. Yeah. After two, two and a half years. That's crazy. Yeah. So, um, so long live Sunstroke House and uh, <laughs> best of luck with Tommy Ake and Thank your you. studies. And, and best of luck with Porch Talk. Thank you. And we're out of here. Bye. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.